Dolan, and now Domi is into it. Domi sticking up for Nicky Robertson gets involved. That was Ian Cole who stepped into. And now Max Domi looking a little bit like Dad Ty. Yarnsbrook getting it back into the area back of the net. Domi kicked it out in front, the backhand by Sports at 5.9 The Fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Maple Leafs take care of a couple of Canadian foes in back-to-back games over the weekend. Friday against the Calgary Flames. Saturday against the Vancouver Canucks, who lost their Super Bowl. Boy, the Canucks Mm. struggle a little bit against the Maple Leafs, especially in Toronto in recent vintage. Yeah, that's the International Bowl. Their their Super Bowl is the one they have to win right. when it's the angriest game of all time <laughs> when they have to play it for 4 p.m. local. Speaking of angry, first period, Maple Leafs were angry. Mm. They, they had their, their emotions on display. A couple of instigator penalties is... Man, anytime you can be mentioned in the same breath as Tim Horton, mm, that's you've very done good. something right. And Mark Giordano surpasses Tim Horton as the oldest Toronto Maple Leafs player to ever get into a fight in the National Hockey League game. What an awesome record to hold that he's going to hold forever. Yeah. Like, when? <laughs> when is, honestly, who's the, you tell me who the next Ryan Reeves when he's still under contract. Oh, my God. That's so good. <laughs> oh, the man. Uh, <laughs> all right. Anyways, so he, he took uh, the first of two instigator penalties in the first period on Saturday. Uh, Leafs got scored on on both penalty kill situations. And we can maybe have a longer discussion about how porous the penalty kill looks mm-hmm. through now 13 games this season. But after the game, Sheldon Keefe, basking in the glow of victory, mm. talked about those two instigator penalties. It's interesting. You know, you get a couple instigators and they score on them. And obviously those are moments you like to see the guys pull together and get a kill for them. But a game works in funny ways. You know, you, to me... We, we, we built up some good karma through through that. Guys sticking together, stepping up, big moments, get the crowd involved. So despite the fact that the puck went in the net there for us on those, it seemed like it just kind of pulled our team together to just go out and play. And uh, there's great responses throughout the game and then a good job of managing the game. All right, Brent. Is this is this team fixed? Like, did they did okay, they listen to, to the discourse? Did hold they on. did they read everything written about them after the Brad Marsha and Timothy Lilligren thing? And 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 now, I mean, despite the fact that that was like a number of games removed from that game, yep. are they are they now a a group that plays for each other, sticks up for themselves? Um, yes, but I need to see it again. Should this happen? I mean, look at the Calgary game, right? There was the massive Zadorov hit, and a couple people said, hey, and I get it. Zadorov's huge, but Ryan Reeves was playing in that game. Uh, and you. so I think that this is a case of they really proved something. They really showed something. But I don't think you can look at this group and say, ah, they have the DNA that they come to one another's defense all the time. It is entirely possible that this awoke something in them, and they are a bit more this team now. But it's also entirely possible the next time somebody takes a run at, I don't know, Will Nylander or whoever, 
that they go, okay, well, get them on the scoreboard. Like, I need to see this a couple of times. It was awesome to see. I do not want to downplay what this was. That was as entertaining as a Leaf game as we have had for sure this season. You might even include all of last year in it as well. It was so much fun to see those guys playing that way after seeing those fights in the first period. But I don't think one game proves anything. If a team struggled to score on the power play, and they had a hot power play for one game. We wouldn't say, ah, there it is. It's fixed. But beyond that, I am I agree 100% with you. In fact, I might be more strident in my belief that it means not that much, honestly. I mean, if I were, did anyone question whether Mark Giordano would stick up for his teammates? He was the guy that you know mm-hmm. came over the top ropes in game one yeah. against the Montreal Canadiens. Did anyone think that Max Domi would go through his first season as a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs without a fighting oh, Those guys both played in the Boston game. They could have done something about it then. Understood, but I think the questions that surrounded this team out of the Boston game were not surrounding those two guys. It might be Tyler Bertuzzi specifically and, and maybe even Ryan Reeves for like the... But I think, I think that's the whole point is that it's not... You're not supposed to look at like, okay, here's the three tough guys mm-hmm. and it, the whole point is that it's somebody jumping in, whoever's out there and yeah, are those... are If you were power ranking the guys to have said, okay, enough is enough. We're going to step up. Would they be... I don't know, two and three on that list. They very well (laughs) might be, okay? And do I expect Austin Matthews to go challenging Dakota Joshua next time? No, of course. And I'm not saying you're saying that. No, but I will say, and I I think you would agree with me, what would be more indicative of this team turning a page would be Austin Matthews just getting into a scrum after a whistle. Well, and that was the interesting thing about this, and I think it was Rudy who pointed it out in the first intermission, was that before the fights, there was clearly a message. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether whether it was the team just had enough, whether it was Keith hammering that home, where it, maybe it was Tree who who his visit to the room whenever mm-hmm. that happened, this finally crystallized itself. Whoever gets the credit for it, it was clear as day a concerted effort of it's not going to be easy tonight. It's not going to be fun. Yeah. We're going to be an ornery bunch. And Geo was taking wax early on, but it wasn't just Geo. Jake McCabe right away cross checks and scrums, hacks and wax. Even Nick Robertson, a guy kind of not overly doing it, but he's around the net. He's not shying away from from any of this stuff and i think that that's the type of stuff you you want to see yeah and you, you you don't mind at least i don't mind and by the way people maybe just listening to the show for for maybe the first time this is probably not going to be the radio show for you if you you don't like fighting in hockey because no. i think you and i are both no, on I the same fighting. page when it comes to to drop the mitts in, of course. in the national hockey league but yeah, um, i watched rock'em sock'em as a kid sorry yeah <laughs> yeah as did i um yeah, I, I I thought it was great. I thought it was um, at least a positive sign. I do not think that all of a sudden you've got a team that no longer has questions surrounding it as far as togetherness, uh, being able to, to have each other's backs, and the physical response that they're going to show going forward. I liked it. I didn't think it was some harbinger of things to come for this team. We'll yeah. see. Prove me wrong. All right, <laughs> let's talk to our pal Gord Stellick. On a Monday morning. How's Who it hates going, fighting, too. Yeah, I know. Wait, I know. No. Wait. You, your, your delicate sensibilities were offended, I'm sure, on Saturday. <laughs> How are you, my pals? I like it. Pals. Pals. Yeah. Oh, uh, we're good, Gordo. I, that's good. Well, what a difference uh, a week makes. And just listening to a little bit what you're talking about last week, it, the talk, of course, was Marchand challenging the bench and, you know, what have you. So here we have, uh, we have two games that, at the end of it, they won. They blew a lead, which is a problem on Friday. Um, they showed up, which was great, but then didn't kill both penalties, but still um, won the game Saturday. 
and both on home ice. So anyway, all that part, the end result, the end result is positive, obviously. Yeah, it is. Um, so weigh in on what we were talking about. Do you think that there is a, you know, there's a resetting of, of team toughness and togetherness after taking a couple of instigator penalties in the first period against the Canucks? Well, you know, like you said, Ben, last week when we chatted, like, like, how do you have to talk about that in the dressing room, right? You know, kind of like, mm-hmm. hey, hey, gunning, get tough. Hey, you know, <laughs> okay. Oh, what do you mean? I'm not, you don't think I'm tough? Oh, get tougher. Okay, well, how, well what do I do? Uh, tin foil? Like, what do I do? I'm on my, on my knuckles. And so I, I think maybe you, the word reset's probably not a bad one about, you know, when, when you want to call it minimum standards or whatever, what, what should be done as a team concept. Because, um, like I said, during the, you know, the, you go back to the Marchand thing, and sometimes there's, it's, it's like, sometimes things get uh, weighted a little more than they actually are. But certainly, that was a missed opportunity in those circumstances to show what they did on a couple occasions on Saturday. So, I mean, Giordano's done that. I mean, his entire career. Um, same with Domi. I think probably in Domi's case, he, he welcomed being able to do that rather when he was getting silly penalties against the LA Kings the previous week, trying to, you know, trying to find a niche and trying to prove his work. Yeah. I, uh, it's funny, right? Like, you know, we all know Max has been running around that building forever. And of course he envisions scoring goals and winning games, but uh, doing that at, at Scotiabank arena wouldn't have been too far down on the list of things he would have, he would have thought about, about doing. Do you think it says anything about the team or about Ryan Reeves that that game happened without him in the lineup? I mean, that's kind of his job, isn't it, Gordo, to be that nuclear deterrent? I mean, to me, you can look at it almost two ways. You can say there's a team motivated to prove they can do it without him, or it's a team that kind of wants to stick up for him with him being sad. How, how did you kind of look at it with them showing that in spades without him there? Well, I think it's a, I think it's a problem when he's the only guy doing it, and that that's never was the intention that, okay, you know, you have one designated guy. So I, I just think whether – you want to say it got contagious or that or whatever whatever did it. Um, they show the appropriate team toughness that they should have. I think in Ryan Reeves' case, it's a chance to give McMahon a, a chance. You know, I think there's different options they can look at it. I, I don't view it as a slight to him. Obviously, uh, the, when the fourth line's been out and he's been out, the plus minus hasn't been great. That's not solely on him, but I think that's probably more of a uh, a worrisome thing than anything else. So I think they wanted to try somebody different. Uh, obviously, when we talked about Domi, moving him to center, calling up Robertson gives more options. But I think just like Klingberg sat out one game, was back the next night, that you're, you're, you, know, you, you may see a bit more of being a, a healthy scratch, just trying to get different particular individuals in. Uh, it's true that Ryan Reeves has not been like the sole reason that fourth line has been on the ice for so many goals against, but he has been on the ice for so many goals against. And boy, it wasn't just the two goals that they scored. They, they look real good. That fourth line did on Saturday, Gord. Like, I, I don't know. I, I feel entirely differently about the fourth line after one game without Ryan Reeves in it. I'd be tempted to, to give it another run. Like how, how long would you keep Ryan Reeves in the press box? Okay, yeah, no. And to your point, Ben, you got to go. I mean, it's kind of like the Edmonton Oilers having that big win, and 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 McDavid and Drysaddle not being a factor on Saturday over Seattle. You know, so it's good that you won the game, and other components did that. And that maybe for one of the rare times this year was the case for the Maple Leafs on Saturday, getting a third and fourth line that were both going. So at at this at right now, yeah, I I roll back the same thing. I'm not saying you put Reeves back in the lineup next game or what have you. If you do, maybe there's something else or somebody gets hurt, you know, and that's part of the game as well. But no, you got to, you got to go with it because the real encouraging thing is just by doing all that tweak. We talked about earlier about Domi and Robertson and whatever, 
And then, you know, it got Gregor's line going as well. You know, it just got both going. So I think you want to keep that balanced attack for whenever it may be a foreseeable little bit of a run if it keeps playing that way. Yeah, you certainly would. And yeah, I was uh, I was joking earlier, like, Gord, Bobby McMahon has the greatest timed call-ups of all time. He gets called up for the dad's trip last year and right before Sweden uh, th- this year. Uh, speaking speaking of Sweden, William Nylander. He's three points back of Elias Pettersson for the league lead. He has a 15-game point streak. What's the ceiling for this guy, Gord? I mean, I realize the it doesn't matter. Like, if he finishes with 40 goals and 90 points or 50 goals and 100, I know that does something to the contract, but what do you think this guy can get to as a player? I mean, I don't see any reason why he should slow down. It just seems like he's kind of continually built his game season over season. What do you think the ceiling is for Nylander this year? Yeah, you, you know, it's about, okay, when I use the word impact player, whatever you want to call it, like he, he's had no problem being in Matthews and Marner's shadow, which is not a lot of guys could do that. There's there's not, great there's not many teams that have two bigger shadows than that. And he's been okay with it, and he's sort of been the guy they go to. Oh, they've lost two in a row. Mm-hmm. Nylander's been inconsistent, which he was early on, and then he got blamed for it unfairly the last couple of years because I, I think he's been pretty consistent. But it, it, it's great, Brent, that – you know, this much in your career, you're able to take it to a, a different level. And it's certainly, it's not even this contract year, I don't think, although, you know, maybe, you know, uh, how, how do I know? It's the perfect time to do that uh, if, he, if he's trying to get the next level as far as the next contract goes. But uh, I, uh, I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying it, you know, the comfort of watching him. He can play multiple positions like we know. Uh, and watching him being, boy, as much of an impact player uh, as anybody on the team right now, maybe – you know, him and Matthews, maybe even more than Matthews early on. So that's been a, that's been a real pleasure these first dozen or so or 15 games. Well, and now he's, I mean, if he's living in the shadow, he's going to emerge from that shadow going back to his home country. Yeah, how does uh, Groundhog Day work? Uh, yeah. But it's about to be that time. Yeah. <laughs> so Leafs go to Sweden. <laughs> they leave today um, and they play a couple of games Friday, Sunday. Gordon, maybe you can just talk about this this franchise's relationship with that country in general. Of course, I, I assume Matt Sundin is going to make an appearance, and Boreas Salming, obviously, is so in, in in entrenched in the fabric of of this organization. It does feel like there's a real connection between the Toronto Maple Leafs and Sweden. I imagine they're going to get a great reception when they they go play in Stockholm. Well, I would think so. And and you know, Ben, imagine if they lost the two games on the weekend. Like you, you want to take cow. these trips. You know, like last year, Columbus had a terrible start. They went to, I think it was Finland or Sweden, lost both games there. You know, just, you know, you know, terrible flights both ways, and you never really got going. So that's a real positive that they'll go on a, on a kind of a positive or on a positive anyway. Um, the book I just did with Damien, you know, just talks about uh, Jerry McNamara. Jim Gregory was the general manager and really the visionary and sent Jerry McNamara over there. And uh, Boria and Boria Somming and Inga Hammerstrom weren't actually, and, and it's documented mostly by Damien in the book, the first Swedes to come over, but they were the first big ones to make a splash, and others made a splash in the World Hockey Association, mostly going to the Winnipeg Jets. And uh, so really, you know, it, it's funny, it goes back there, and they call Henrik Lundqvist goes into the Hockey Hall of Fame tonight as the king, but Boria Somming was the first king. That was his nickname <laughs> around Toronto. And, and he kind of set the standard. And last year at, at the Hall, uh, all these guys that came, all these, all these Swedes uh, that were there to see the Sedins being inducted, and Nick Lidstrom was there and all these. So we had a chance to interview them, and they all talked about the reverence of Borea Salming. I mean, that, that really is, is where it goes back to. And then you see Salming come to the building, and six Swedes 
Like, what a weird confluence of circumstances. And great on Sheldon Keith for doing it, mm-hmm. that they had six Swedes in all those positions, and he's, they, they're the opening lineup for that game, that memorable game two weeks before Borea Salming's death at Scotiabank Arena. So uh, outside of that, so I, I mean, he's really the pioneer. And then, of course, you bring Sundin later on. I mean, iconic, uh, and as well, a captain. Something Borea never wanted to be, but in, in hindsight, he, he feels maybe he should have. But anyway, Max, probably uh, a little bit of an underrated captain. But you, you talk to any Leafs that played on a Matt Sundin team and the respect they had for him as, as a leader. So that's the big thing. Maybe other teams have quantity, but certainly the Leafs have two uh, iconic ones in quality. Yeah, that's uh, that. That's a great way to put it, Gordon. You and I were in the building for that game. It was it was so special being there with Boria in the building. And you know, it's funny uh, the the story Sundin or Sundin. Well, I guess he wouldn't remember, but his dad telling the story of him calling him into the room to watch. Look how beloved this Swede is over in North America. And then many moons later, uh, Sundin would would wind up here. You know, Ben and I were were kind of just talking about this with the Sweden trip there of Sundin's kind of place with with the org. I mean, you'd be as good a person to talk about it. He is so beloved, but you know, like other guys, be it a Wendell, be it a Dougie, and part of it's just where they live. You know, he's not around as much. And because of that, there's almost this, I don't know, mystique uh, about Sundin. And, you know, you talk about how beloved he was. We had Roberts on last week saying the same thing. I heard the same from from Neuendijk when they were in town for the Hall of Fame game here. But, yeah, if you could just talk about the kind of, because it, it does almost feel like there's a bit of a mystique uh, around Sundin. You know, he's he's not always around. He's not always as public-facing. Not that he's hiding, but, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting relationship he has. With the, with the city. Not a bad one, just a little different than, than other greats. Yeah, and you know, in like both cases, Borea played his last year in Detroit. People forget that. And again, in hindsight, he regretted that. But, you know, people don't even think about that. Matt's finished up in Vancouver. And of course, he, he, it got out about the no trade clause and all that. And and so he, he was rankled. He wasn't really happy with the organization initially. So it took a little bit of time and what, if you want to call it healing. And I mean, it's, it's been a long time ago now and they had that special night for him uh, probably about 10 years ago. So I just mean, I'm talking about initially when he, when he left hockey, um, he, that rubbed him the wrong way. What happened at the end in Toronto. So since then, like Borea, uh, like so many of the Swedes, uh, boy, you talk about quality of life. They go back to Sweden uh, because it's a great quality of life. Um, they're, you know, like they're revered there. They're, they're uh, big celebrities, but uh, Borea became kind of a rock and roll guy, and he would, he just was going a thousand miles an hour. He always had like three or four things on the go, and that. And and Matt's has kind of retained his calm mystique. You know, he's kind of very stoic. And you're right, you're right though, Brent. When it's kind, of, you know, Borea started coming over more because he had all these things going. And every time, if they you know flashed to some alumni in the box, whatever, Borea got the loudest ovation. He probably was what maybe a couple times a year he'd be there. And, to me, he got the loudest ovation all the time, and that would be Matt's now. And he even For he sure. comes a lot less a lot less than Borea did. But you're right, that would be that. And I I, I like it about um, in Matt's. There's probably a little bit of a delayed appreciation or understanding from fans about how truly great he was, which Borea really had that all the time when he was with the Leafs. But it's always it's always great to have seen Borea. And anytime Matt's comes back, it's special. You know what? You can read more about Borea Salming, listener, uh, if you read Revival, the chaotic, colorful journey of the 1977-78 Toronto Maple Leafs. Available now, co-written by Gord Stelic. Uh, Gordo, thanks for doing this. Good morning. Thanks, pals. Talk to you next week. All right, talk to you. Did it. Yeah, you did. Yeah. I didn't even notice. Wow, you, that's, you're, 
Mm, I don't like how natural that's becoming for you. It kind of sounds like it makes sense. It did. That time was so much better than when you went, good morning to Mike Rupp. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot better. But just to kind of wrap it up what we were talking about with Gordo there, it like they could not be more polar opposites. Just imagine Matt Sundin doing this, and I don't begrudge him for it at all. I would. This is how I would live my life. But at the when the World Cup of Hockey was here, uh, and I was at like all those games because I was done work at one o'clock every day, and I went mm-hmm. and bought tickets for twenty bucks because apparently no one wanted to go see all the best hockey players in the world that weren't playing for Team Canada. Mm-hmm. But Boris Halming was just walking around the concourse, taking selfies with people, just shaking hands, glad handing, and you know, obviously, as as his illness got later, got greater later on in life, was able to do less and less of that. But that's just who he was, and yeah, it was it was funny to see. And again, I don't begrudge Sundin for that at all, but uh, I don't think you're seeing that anytime soon. Him just wandering the concourse. It's no, and, it, and it's good context to to put. Uh, on it from Gord talking about not only that Matt's decided not to waive his no trade clause and then yep. not finish his career in Toronto still uh, and end up in Vancouver mm-hmm. uh, trying to you know win a Stanley Cup with the the Canucks, but that that was relayed to the public mm-hmm. from the organization and maybe some ill feelings at the tail end of his career may be part of the reason. But I do think the majority of the reason is that Matt's is more a private dude, yeah, and that. We see this sometimes with actors, like superstar Mm -hmm. actors who don't do a ton of interviews and aren't seen all that often, and they they manage to avoid the paparazzi. And there's a a great benefit to that in that... Less is more. You don't embarrass yourself. Like, here's the thing. We have open microphones for three hours a day. Oh, my God. We embarrass ourselves plenty. Yeah. Imagine if it followed me around all day. Yeah. (laughs) If we didn't... But people actually cared about us. I was gonna say, yeah. yeah so like the you problem guys, is, is we're that trying if the mic to get, went away, yeah. they'd be like, "Good." <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's tough because we need the mic to have people even care about us, like a, a modicum. But these <laughs> other people who are already celebrities, <laughs> yeah, and people want more, more, more. Yeah. If you give them less, 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 there's a whole oh, man. Your your brain like fills in the gaps, and they become this mysterious figure. And then when you do show up. Mm-hmm. Sparingly, yep. like Matt Sundin, the the pop is out of control. Oh. And when we see him in Sweden on this road trip, which, which I for sure will, I, I I mean, are you one hundred percent? Like it would be, let me, it would let me, be quite let me a just, move to let not. Me, let me get this out right now because okay. obviously they're listening and they will do anything in their power to make this uh, come to fruition. If the Toronto Maple Leafs <laughs> get dragged away from finally building something to take a week off. To go hang around in Sweden and eat reindeer meat or whatever it is we talked two weeks off essentially. Okay, yeah, take a thousand years off and go hang out in Sweden for two weeks, and I don't get some Matt Sundin with the young leaf or like the like. If I don't get Matthews, Matts, gonna lose my mind. Nylander, Matt, something like if they go over there and Matt Sundin's not a part of this trip and. Again, like he's allowed to do whatever he wants. This is this is much like this is much like the no trade clause. Not uh-huh. mad at Matt's, mad at whatever organization is dealing with this. Uh-huh. Please get him involved. If they go over there, I, I need Nylander contract extension. I need Matt Sundin with yeah. this core. There are things I need from this trip. And as I asked for Josh Cloak as well, four points. If they could bring that back, that'd yeah. be the most important thing. The other thing, Gord, Gord was on it today. Of course, bring, always bringing a couple of very salient points to the microphone. Um, also called us pals, which I liked. Yeah, that was good. 
Uh, <laughs> William Nylander being comfortable in not being the guy on this team, which if he maybe departs, his most important trait. <laughs> if he departs in free agency, and, and who knows, maybe he would be welcoming of being the guy some, somewhere else. If yeah, the dollars make yeah. sense, sure. But you know what? We didn't hear. We didn't hear any any you know. Mitch Marner wanting 11 million bucks to be viewed on the same plane as Austin Matthews or wanting the A. Mm-hmm. If Austin Matthews gets, like, how come I'm not in the, the C discussion? Yeah. How come that's not me in there, yes. too? I mean, and maybe that's, he's just better at not having those things mm-hmm. leaked. But yeah, that doesn't feel like part of the William Nylander discussion. I think the money thing is different from the leader, the letter thing. I think he is a guy who, oh, okay, like the whenever I think of letters in hockey, and obviously cultures of the sport are different, there are actual captains in hockey as opposed to basketball, like I'm about to mention, but Steven Jackson had the best quote about this. Man, captain, all they get to do is talk to the refs, and I hate those guys anyway. So <laughs> I think there are some players who go, okay, whatever. They I call know. them Captain Jackson. I know, I know. Yeah. And he goes, yeah, I don't care. And then they stripped him from him or whatever ended up, mm. whatever made him give that quote and please Steven Jackson never stop talking into a live microphone I love all of it but I think what you what you see from a guy like Nylander is that he needs the respect he feels he is earned or he is earning in one way and it's money Mm -hmm. and guess what unlike last time and especially if it continues to go this way he is in that neighborhood he's not in 13 like let's not get ridiculous here but oh, remember how quaint the discussions were about keeping him under double digits? Oh, remember Timo Meyer? It's like Timo Meyer signed for eight eight. <laughs> God, Nylander should get to punch one of us a week for comparing him to Timo Meyer. <laughs> like, how dare we? Honestly, the guy's on a fifteen game point streak and he's three points back of the league lead. He just scores beautiful goals every night. We go. What about this middle six forward on the Devils? <laughs> God, three points back of the points lead, three goals back of the yeah. goals lead. It's incredible what he's doing, but that's where he needs to be. He does like you cannot mm. slight him in that regard. And guess what? They're not going to the no. idea. Maybe, maybe in the summer, some ballpark lowish figures that he didn't like were bandied about. I'm sure they started to talk about these things, but no, the idea of going to him with anything aside from that. And that's the only thing he cares about to be respected along those guys. If he is paid for what he feels he deserves and, Unlike the last time this was a discussion, I think his internal value and the public's value on him are oh, yeah. way closer yeah, than, yeah, they, yeah. than they were last time. That's all it is. He doesn't need to be on the poster. He doesn't need to be the last guy out. His line doesn't need to start every time when they're at home so he can get announced from Thornhill, Ontario or Scottsdale, Arizona or Scottsdale, Arizona. I was trying to remember where Matthew Dyes is from. Like he doesn't need that big mm. moment. He's fine. Because guess what? Being the third most popular guy on the Leafs is way better mm-hmm. than being the most popular shark or whatever it is. Mm, or blue jacket. Or yeah. <laughs> ask, ask Johnny Goudreau how yeah. fun being the most popular blue jacket is. <laughs> and guess what? Ain't him. No. Bet they love Fantilli already. Uh, all right. Time now for something to chew on. Brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Uh, it's all fun and games until you stink to high heavens. All right. Mm. Tommy DeVito. Undrafted rookie quarterback, yes. the Giants, um, starting a game yesterday against mm-hmm. their division rival, the Dallas Cowboys. And, of course, the building narrative was that he still lives at home with his parents. Here was the quote. Okay, I have it too. Yeah. yeah, from him before the game about living with his folks. I don't have to worry about laundry, what I'm eating for dinner, chicken cutlets, <laughs> and all that is waiting for me when I get there. My mom still makes my bed. Everything is handled for me. Now, I, I don't have like I, the tenor of that 
that quote, but I'm going to take that earnestly. Like, not, I mean, joking in a way, but yeah. like, also that Tommy DeVito's like, those are positives for me. I'm now very mad at myself for not getting Santos to have a bunch of drops from the scene in Goodfellas where they go eat dinner uh, with Martin Scorsese's mother, who's playing Joe Pesci's mother mm-hmm. in the movie. It just feels like all that would be very fitting. Oh, eat, it's a sin, it's a sin. Mm-hmm. Feels like all that would be perfect in there. My personal favorite part is that he had to include the chicken cutlets. Like, we know you're Italian, man. Mm-hmm. We we got it. Like, <laughs> what, like, what, you didn't want to throw gabagool in there for us? This guy is so on character. I would not put it past, to, like, the NFL scripted. It's like, yeah, what if this guy's a bit? What if they're just like, ah, the Giants stink anyways. Let's put a guy named Tommy DeVito in there who talks about eating chicken cutlets and chicken parm and living at home. Like, he feels like a character out of a movie. His yeah. name is Tommy DeVito. That shot of his family in the stands, <laughs> incredible. I love all of this. If you're going to have a bad quarterback, mm-hmm. Make it like this. There's no point of the, mm, let me just pick a guy, PJ Washington variety. Do this. Have it be more fun, okay? It's, I, I'm doing everything in my power not to talk, like make this a generation Y conversation about how oh, everybody's. Well, I'm know. here for it. Go yeah. for it. <laughs> Come on. Soapbox. Let's go. As I love my parents. Uh, I, you know, had a, a nice little childhood. As You're, soon as I was humanly capable of departing. Yep. My home. I I wanted to do that. Your kid and, gonna be playing for the Leafs and living at home? Uh, certainly not. I can't imagine <laughs> like why. Yeah, I I don't know. It's to weird. each their own. To each their own. But I do think there is something. There is something good about having the impulse to the do cord. your own thing and <laughs> separate yourself from your parents. And I I again like I don't have like how. How legit was Tommy DeVito? Maybe like financially. The, well, the, he's the living fact- in New York, but it's also like if you just look at his, like he played in Jersey, he went yeah. to Syracuse. Yeah, he's back in New York. Yeah, he's all own body. Okay, maybe start living your own life. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> uh, this isn't. Yeah, this is. I mean, maybe it is financial though. It's like doesn't Brock Purdy live with a guy on the 49ers and he's got the old car and all that? Yeah. And yeah, that's there's more than a few Maple Leafs living with John Tavares. I get that. I, yeah, living with running, your parents, though, is a different a, deal. That's a great point. He's running a daycare there. He Why is. can't he live in Daniel Jones' house? I bet he has a nice one. Right. Yeah, that's yeah, a great point. Honestly. Yeah. Coach him up. Parents could be doing honestly. the stepbrothers' bunk bed thing. It'd be great. Take it easy, Tommy. Dude. It's tough. <laughs> that, the, you know what? Actually, I also realized this is another example of, and I'm guilty of this sometimes, is just put the period earlier in your sentence. I wouldn't like this as much, but if the sentence was, I don't have to worry about laundry, what I'm eating for dinner, chicken cutlets and all that is waiting for me. If the sentence just ends there, it's like, Mm. okay, he likes his mom's cooking. Like, that's not as crazy. Once you throw the make the bed yeah, in, the it's bed. like, that's, that's where, where uh, maybe say less, do less, <laughs> say a little less, Tommy. But also, I, it thank is, you for saying it into a mic. It's also super cute if he comes out and throws for 400 yards and four yeah. touchdowns yesterday, but that yeah, it's happen. Tommy DeVito. Yeah, that didn't so happen. Naturally. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, Brian Dayball going to go from coach of the year to fired, maybe. Uh, it's embarrassing. Two games against the Cowboys. Good Thanks. angry face, though. He's very good at being oh, mad. So good. Sure is. All right, when we come back, uh, more from NFL Week 10, including C.J. Stroud becoming an MVP candidate and P.J. Walker not being as good as Deshaun Watson Mm-mm. despite the first half uh, in uh, that Cleveland uh, game yesterday. We'll talk uh, more about Week 10 coming up next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Frank Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. 
Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The JD Bunkus podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sportsnet 5.9, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. It's all cute when C.J. Stroud is leading a comeback against Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's cute. Like throwing for almost 500 <laughs> yards, four touchdowns. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, following up a loss, the first win of Bryce Young's career. It's quite another thing to go into Cincinnati, face down Joe Burrow, and win the game against one of the hottest teams in all of the NFL. Mm-hmm. I mean, a, a team I very much thought was at the very top of the pecking order in the AFC. I mean, not only is CJ Stroud for real, the Texans are for real at five and four, and the Jags losing yesterday in the fashion that they did to a 49ers team that desperately needed a victory. Oh, Christian McCaffrey desperately needed a touchdown mm-hmm. too. That was embarrassing, kind of the, the way that thing ended. Mm-hmm. I mean, going forward on fourth down, the, yeah. having him touch the ball four straight times. Anyways, stay on script here. <laughs> CJ Stroud is now like, very much in the MVP discussion. I get it. He's the second overall selection. It's not like he's Tommy DeVito undrafted or, or Brock Purdy. Do you imagine? You know, but it's quite a thing to be the Panthers and putting all the equity they did into mm-hmm. acquiring the first overall selection and to have the guy that was picked directly after the guy that you put your entire future mm-hmm. into turn into a guy that is having the greatest rookie quarterback campaign in the history of the league. I got, I, I know it's just one season and, mm-hmm. and Bryce Young might be very capable. You got to fire everybody. Like you got to fire everybody. <laughs> yeah. And the, the owner there typically uh, not the most overly patient guy. I mean, I remember when got Matt rule out of college and then pretty quickly got Matt rule all the way up out of there because yeah, he's not a overly patient guy. The thing about that though, is that, a coaching hire is one thing. A trade up in the draft for franchise quarterback, you don't think he was involved in that decision? You don't think there was some part of him going, okay, well, I mean, that's the part of it. Sell the team. How much? <laughs> hmm, no, he just bought it. Yeah. Uh, the, that's the part of it is how much involved was he with that? Because, I mean, the fingerprints are ripe for an owner being all, oh, he played for Bama. It's a guy you would have seen a million times. And look, Stroud played for Ohio State. It's not like you wouldn't have seen him too. But it is, that decision doesn't happen without an, OSI, uh, without an owner at the very least co-signing, if not steering things in that direction. But yeah, how can you not be? I mean, we've seen this movie before. The Bears traded up to get Mitch Trubisky in a draft that also had Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. in it. So, you know, these things have happened. And guess what happened in Chicago? Uh, everybody lost their jobs because of that. But it wasn't <laughs> trading up to the number one overall pick. It wasn't giving up as much capital as the Panthers had. And they wouldn't be as bad as the Panthers are this year. It is a disaster class. I think the thing that everyone's kind of pointing out, obviously, is if you just flip the spots, it's a little different for sure. Like Bryce Young doesn't look like he's looked, but that game yesterday tells you everything you need to know about CJ Stroud, that this is not a circumstance thing. That Mm. guy is just special. You know, he's had some nice moments in games. He's had some late drives. That's different, man. Late, cold drive well, going into Cincy. And you could see it happening. Too. Yes. And, and Joe Burrow leads the, the the drive that ends up tying the game, and Tyler yeah. Boyd has the touchdown pass God. go through his hands. Right, Brutal. Like, Brutal drop. But who doesn't think that if – well, 
I'll just speak okay. for myself. Sure. If the Bengals score a touchdown there, CJ Stroud's leading the Texans down the field and scoring his own touchdown and still winning the game because he led the the Texans down the field to, to kick the game-winning field goal. Mm-hmm. He's just like has it. Like the numbers back up what you're seeing. Again, like a hugely important game against a hugely better team than the Panthers, mm-hmm. uh, despite the fact that you lost to Bryce Young. Like that is his signature game, despite the fact that he had the incredible back and forth comeback against the Buccaneers. Like totally. that, that's irrelevant. What he did against the Bengals now improving to above 500 in a very winnable division. It turns out totally as we probably could have anticipated going into the season. It always is, but yeah, no, that's, it's, it's all happening for CJ Stroud. Well, and this is the point I've kind of been making when I've been talking to all of our NFL analysts this year, whether it be Charles or whether, whether it be Peter, who we're going to talk to tomorrow is that, I'm sorry, was not was Trevor Lawrence not supposed to be the generational quarterback? Was, was he not next in line of the Andrew Luck vintage of that type of guy? Should he not have a, forget about handle, a stranglehold on this division right now? Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to put that all on him, but it has not happened. He no. has a playoff win to his credit. A lot of that is the Chargers throwing up all over themselves because right. Chargers, baby. So I think that is the, the damning thing about this is that everything C.J. Stroud is doing that puts how impressive he is front and center, it should just be a blinking light of what Trevor Lawrence has not been mm. able to do. Because I know there were problems with Jacksonville, Urban Meyer, all that. And they have a new coach here in, in, uh, in Houston, uh, D'Amico Ryans. He's doing great things. Guess what? They got Doug Peterson as their head coach. Got won a Super Bowl uh-huh. as who's the Jags head coach now. So it's not a coaching issue. So I look at everything that Stroud's doing and it just highlights to me how, quite frankly, disappointing Lawrence's NFL career has been. Yeah, that was a disappointing effort for them against the Niners. I don't know what your feel was, Reed was heading into that game, but the second it started, I was so mad that I didn't expect the 49ers Mm -hmm. to beat the wheels off of them. The offense for the 49ers has struggled, but Mm -hmm. having a week or sorry, two weeks, the game plan coming off the bye, it's Kyle Shanahan and they're the Jags. Like, how did we not see this coming? Yeah, pretty clearly snapping that losing streak. What what did you think about the attempts to get Christian McCaffrey? a touchdown in an 18th consecutive game. He, I mean, this is a game that's out of hand. Yes. And they go for it on fourth and goal because of one reason, and that's to get Christian McCaffrey over the finish line and get him into the record books, already tied for the NFL record with the touchdown in 17 straight, trying to get him to 18. Um, (laughs) It was was quite a thing to to see how they were going to try and do it, a couple of handoffs and... And then on fourth down, you know, he's motion in the backfield and and got his hands on the ball. Yep. But even if he catches, he's going to be short of the, the, the goal line. Did you have a problem with that? No problem with it, but you have to score. Like, if you're going to do that, if you're going to lay it out so nakedly, you have to score. So now mm-hmm. we all get to make fun of you for yeah. how ridiculous it looked. But I have no problem with it. Teams should care about these things. Like, yes, that, that record in the books will say Christian McCaffrey. But every guy who blocked for him that year is going to have a hold on that for mm-hmm. all of time. And guess what? They still get to share a tie of the record. That's still a massive thing. So I have no problem with it. But we definitely get to make fun of them for him since it blew up in their face. Man, a lot of people were making fun of the Browns and the Deshaun Watson trade yeah. and the contract in the mm-hmm. first half of that game in Baltimore. And rightly so. You I was going to say, you could you'd probably still do it if you want. You can. But and, and, and he hasn't been perfect. He hasn't even been great. But obviously he's better than P.J. Walker. And considering the defense Mm -hmm. that exists in Cleveland, I tell you what, like he doesn't have to do that much. And if he's able to do the – if he's able to leap over the low Mm -hmm. bar that is set for him considering the defense, and I know P.J. Walker had some big wins 
I mean, that he kind of like, man, go back and, and yeah. look at the 49ers. Like those, what, well, how long was the field goal that the Niners missed at the end of that game? Like, These are, this wasn't even Jacoby Brissett taking this team to respectability no. last year. No, he was there and they <laughs> won some football games, but clearly the ceiling is much higher mm-hmm. with Deshaun Watson, even a diminished version of him. Yep. Just look at, look at some of the plays made down the stretch there, both with his legs and, For sure. yeah, the leg, I don't know how it's going to look next week after the <laughs> ankle injury. It was apparently in a boot afterwards, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, I, 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 they paid too much, and it's it's not worth it, I suppose. But if if he's able to do a more than adequate job considering that defense, I, you're going to be hard-pressed yeah. to convince the Browns that it wasn't worth it. Oh, if he, hey, man, flags fly forever. If the Browns win a Super Bowl off of this or even just, like, have a respectable run, then, yeah, you definitely say it's a it was the right move for them to make. But I still think that it's just, like, go back and put – the fact that they have now taken the genie out of the bottle regarding guaranteed contracts in the NFL. Like, I don't know that there's probably a more unpopular owner in the league than, than that guy, because it's what Lamar Jackson asked for. It's what all these guys asked for. And if Deshaun Watson of all people is going to get it, and we all know the circumstances surrounding why he got it. I think that's just the thing about it is you hit, look, he bounced back. He had a way better second half. He showed the flashes of the guy he was in Houston. Mm -hmm. But I just think that given like given a do over and given their druthers, it's like the idea of a guaranteed contract to of all people, that guy for, for a myriad of reasons, not just the other stuff, but football as well. Like he is not a, I don't think he's a top five quarterback. I think he's in the kind of Dak yeah. zone for me where some and lower where you say, okay, I could talk myself into it, but more times than not, I'm going to see the, the mistake that's going to cost this team the game. Yeah. Uh, again, though, the bar is super low and they Fair. knock off uh, one of those teams Miles at Garrett, the top so of the good. AFC. Yeah, the, we were considering and still do. I think the Ravens is one of those top teams. Mm, definitely. Uh, in the AFC, man, the the narrative that is building in Minnesota with Josh Dobbs and that Incredible. Vikings team after Kirk Cousins goes down for the, the, the entire season. By the way, speaking of Achilles injuries, mm. Aaron Rodgers letting it be known that he is targeting a mid-December return. For the Jets. I'm never going to forgive the NFL for this schedule this year and putting this guy on my TV and standalone games so often. Well, I mean, his team has to be relevant in December, I think, for mm-hmm. him to return. I mean, there's no point in him coming back, being the, the, the test case for the quickest return from an Achilles injury oh. Oh, no. <laughs> during the, the season if the Jets have no chance of making the playoffs, which is very much in doubt because, yeah, Zach Wilson incapable of creating a passable offense against the Raiders. Yeah, who knew? We were right. Zach Wilson bad. And, I mean, everybody knew except for, I guess, the Jets or uh, I I just, the idea that there would be no backup plan, that Josh Dobbs was readily available. And granted, like, he's no savior either, right? Like, we all understand what Josh Dobbs is, but he's capable. Yeah. Which Zach Wilson, the, the more sample we get, clearly incapable how does that how different does that jets team look today hmm. and how different is the conversation about aaron Rodgers' return mid-december if josh dobbs is the quarterback instead of zach wilson i would say significantly you know what actually i don't think that i don't think that it would play that way so much of what josh Dobbs brings is moxie mm-hmm. like he's a good football player he can run he can throw he can make the passes we know how smart he is obviously he can ingest a playbook very quickly but so much of it is the like, hey, guys, get on my back. Let's go do this thing. And I think it's pretty hard to do that with Aaron Rodgers sitting over in the corner. <laughs> it's almost like, you know, you see this all the time in in kids sports or whatever. It's like a coach is telling a kid to do something and the kid's looking up in the stands at dad like, should I be doing that? It's like 
you have to trust the person who you're there to trust. And I think that's probably been a big part of the problem for Zach Wilson is that he can never take command of that thing. Aaron Rodgers is still in the locker room all the time. He's warming up with the team in games he's never going to play in. So I don't know that the Josh Dobbs effect would hold the way it should with other teams with Rodgers being there in New York. Here's so let's see. Mid-December, does that mean week 15, December 17th for Aaron Rodgers? Here's the the Jets record or a, a schedule up to that point. This was this was actually the the point in the season in which they were they were going to build some mm-hmm. schedule equity. Uh, and they did beat the Giants, albeit with one of the more shocking comebacks and overtime victories in the NFL this season. Uh, and then lost about the Chargers and now the Raiders to drop to four and five. They have next Sunday in Buffalo against the Bills team. Yeah, they beat week one, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. the idea that they're going to sweep that season series against a Bills team that's desperate for wins, even with the diminished Buffalo team that we've seen in recent weeks. And then you go home to play the Dolphins uh, and then on the road in Atlanta, you got Houston uh, at the Meadowlands as well before that return engagement against the Dolphins in week 17 where maybe Aaron Rodgers returns. That feels like that 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 could conceivably be four consecutive losses, which would mean six consecutive losses and the Jets at four and nine for a potential Aaron Rodgers return, which feels like Aaron Rodgers, why bother at that point? Because Aaron Rodgers loves attention and people talking about him. But what's I'm a not, better, I'm not, what's a better I'm not, narrative for him? Like him returning, being the the, the quickest to ever return yes, from that, that one, injury? That one. Or like, I could have returned. No, that one. The one where he is seen as Mr. Warrior guy who forced his way back, and even though it doesn't matter, he's just a competitor and needs to play. I, I would be, I'd be shocked if we don't see Aaron Rodgers again this season, kind of regardless. He loves the attention he loves it so much all right time now for the wake and rake presented by sports interaction your homegrown sports book bet local raptors in action tonight as they host the washington wizards on sportsnet one oh. at 7 30 oh my god i just saw the money line for that game sorry uh <laughs> raptors heavily favored wizards stank uh money line uh, yeah, raptors <laughs> minus 455 the wizards plus 350 raptors nine and a half point favorites raptors won two of the uh, three meetings last year i i like the way the raptors are playing yep. i do not like the way the wizards are playing but the raptors returning home from a road trip first game back oh I, a little bit dubious um i total 227 and a half i'm, I'm gonna go to old faithful here under under for the the raptors at home against the wizards i am right there with you i do not have any faith in the raptors to cover that game and me betting the wizards to be close feels ridiculous so yeah let's go under uh, Islanders at Edmonton, uh, newly helmed Edmonton Oilers Sportsnet at 8.30 tonight. The Oilers are minus 175, trying to get the head coach dead cat bounce, mm-hmm. and I like them to do so. Of course. I like them so much. I'm going to take them uh, minus the one and a half there. You get that a plus 135. Feels like the best value there. I know the Isles love to lock it down, but generally speaking, when the Oilers are playing well, it's not in 2-1 wins or anything along those lines. So just give me the Oilers minus one and a half. You get that a plus 135. And the Monday nighter in Orchard Park, the Bills hosting the Denver Broncos is seven point favorites buffalo hasn't lost two games in a row since week nine and ten of last season and they are four no at home this season I, I like them uh to cover the seven point spread yeah i'm with you there all right that was the wake and rake presented by sports interaction your homegrown sports book bet local when we come back back into the leafs is 
They escape with four points against Canadian opposition before heading out on the road to Sweden. And uh, we will talk to our pal, Frank Saravelli, president of hockey content for dailyfaceoff.com next. As the Fan Morning Show continues, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.